right, all right, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday night service at High Desert Word Center. Amen. Good to see everybody. Good to be in the house of the Lord on a beautiful fall time Wednesday night. Praise the Lord. We got good weather coming and it is a blessing. Amen. Well, praise God. Uh, I th- just want to thank everybody for all their prayers over the last week. Uh, most of you guys know that I had my appendix removed uh, last Wednesday at this time. So uh, God was good and uh, and I'm healed, healthy and whole. But thank you, church family, for the prayers and the uh, everything good that you did. Especially those positive vibes, man. Those things. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I don't believe in those. I'm just joking. All right. Praise God. Well, let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. We are going to speak some words of faith over the United States of America because we believe that America is coming to Jesus no matter what they say, no matter what it looks like. We walk by faith, not by sight. Amen? Let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, Justice and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise tonight. Hallelujah. You may be seated. You may be seated. All right. Well, we got a few quick announcements for you. First of all, Pastor and Mrs. Pastor are back tonight. All right. They just did a... A three-week tour of the East Coast. They went from New York City to Plymouth Rock and everywhere else in between. So they had a good time over there. But we're glad to have them back. Um, let's see. A membership class was supposed to be last Sunday night. But we have rescheduled it. It's going to be Sunday night, October the 17th from 4 to 7 p.m. And so if you have not signed up, hey, you've got another chance here. So the sign-up sheet is back there, and you can make sure to get yourself signed up for that. Uh, ladies, are there any ladies in the house tonight? The women's meeting is this Friday at 6.30, and so this is a great chance for you to get out of the house and get some fellowship and, and get encouraged with the Word of God and with each other. And so this Friday, 6.30 in Victory Hall, uh, Mrs. Pastor is going to be teaching on how to live within your means. All right, that sounds like a, a lot of wisdom right there from the Word of God. And the theme of the night is a Mexican dish, and so uh, you can bring a Mexican-style dish to share, and uh, it'll be a really awesome time. So go, ladies, and be blessed with that. Also, uh, Harvest Fest is coming up. We're right here just a few weeks away. Amen. And so I uh, remind you that this is uh, not our large-scale, citywide, 3,000-person outreach reach this year. We're scaling it down a little bit uh, just to uh, really provide some room for some fellowship and some uh, some building here um, within the church family. So you can invite you know a friend and the kids can bring some friends and stuff, but it's not our normal uh, as it was in some previous years. Praying that next year we'll be getting back to that. But anyway, um, keep bringing in candy. We have filled up the candy bin several times. We want more because we want to load our kids down uh, and uh, uh, I'm sure your parents can thank us for that later on. Uh, but you know what? Praise God. We're going to do it anyway. And um, if you would like to help give towards Harvest Fest, uh, we do have a budget for it. And if God's laying on your heart to give some extra offering towards that, praise God. We will receive that and we'll be able to do everything that we need to do. And so uh, if you are uh, wanting to give towards that, just mark your envelope, Harvest Fest, and we will make sure that it gets it. Speaking of all that, have you noticed the lovely autumn day? Decor around here. 
Am I the only one? Because, hey, I saw that. I don't, it may not mean much to you, but praise God, when I see pumpkins, I just get real happy. All right? Somebody somebody say that. So, anyway, Julie did a great job getting us in the fall mood around here. And it's a great time of the year to be thankful and know all that God has done for you. Is there anybody in here you know that you would not be here right now if Jesus had not pulled you up and pulled you out and given you another chance? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. He is good. All right. Well, who knows what time it is now? Yes, it's happy time. If you need an envelope, raise your hand. The ushers will get you one. We're going to turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6 tonight. Matthew 6 and verse 24. Amen. If you're getting it online, you can go to hdwc.org slash given and do it that way. All right, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, and this is Jesus speaking to us right here, and listen, there's a lot of wisdom in this verse for a whole lot of areas of our life, but I'm looking at this in the area of our giving and our money. Matthew 6 verse 24 in the NLT, it says, no one can serve two masters. And I know a lot of times people are trying to serve two masters. You know, they're like, man, I really want to do this for God, but hey, I don't want to give this up either. And they're torn between two masters. It says, you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. Look, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And there's so many people, God, I would do this for you, but I mean, but, but, I, I, but, but my money tells me this, but what is your God telling you to do? Listen, listen, if you're going to be enslaved to money all the time, you are not going to be a servant of Jesus Christ. And so if you're serving God, you tell your money what to do. If you're serving money, it's going to tell you what to do. And you couldn't do that for God. You couldn't give into that. You couldn't support this over here. You couldn't do this ministry. Don't let money be your boss. You need to be in control of the money. Amen. And when you serve Jesus, when he's your master, come on, somebody, listen, that's the right track. And so if God's word tells you, bring all the tithe into the storehouse, listen, that's what you do because you're serving him. If God's word says, give and it shall be given unto you. So many people are like, hey, the word says it shall be given unto me. But the first part says you, hey, you give. And then it shall be given unto you. We got to obey the word. And as we do that, we are proving with our actions that, you know what? I don't just say it. I do it. I prove it. Jesus, you're my master. Money, you no longer control me. You are not my master anymore. I do what Jesus says to do. I don't do what my money tells me to do. Amen. Can we get an amen on that tonight? Amen. All right. Well, we're going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and offerings. Let's stand up together tonight. Amen. Let's stand up. We're going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings. And I remind you, hey, this is not just something we do. Speak these words of faith. That is a key part of what we do at High Desert Word Center. We speak the word of God over our health. We speak the word of God over our marriage. We speak the word of God over our children. And we speak the word of God over our finances. It's a key to your success. Don't forget it. Let's say this. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. Okay, when you're done dropping off your tithes and offerings and worshiping the Lord, join us up here at the altar and let's worship together. Every fear overtaken, every wall comes crashing down. I am free in your presence, whoa. You have lifted my burdens, you surround me with 
Jesus, there is nothing like your love. 
said, Yea, thou walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with us, Lord. And so I thank you tonight for what you've given me for your people, that the ones that really need to hear it, they're going to hear it with their spiritual heart, with their spiritual ears, and they're going to be able to see what to do 
to get through what it is they're facing right now. And everybody's going to be encouraged because it's your word. And Lord, we know the bottom line is if we don't quit, we win. Because greater hits at us than hits in the world. And just thank you, Jesus, for help for people change lives tonight. Amen and amen and amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about what to do when you want to quit. What to do when you want to quit. And I know that uh, nobody here has ever wanted to quit. I know that nobody's being tempted to quit right now. I'm talking about quitting on your Christian faith, quitting on life. Just give it up and say, oh, what's the use? What's the use? What's the use? And you know, everybody, everybody's tempted. Hebrews chapter 4 says that Jesus was tempted at all points, like as we are, yet without sin. And the temptation to quit is not a sin. But when you do quit and you walk out on God, then you've entered the temptation and it'll come to pass in your life. And I was thinking, as we were worshiping God about something, how many ever heard of a guy named Robert Schuler? Pastor Robert Schuler years ago had a church down the hill, Crystal Cathedral. We watched a boy, I've seen it all the way from Rhode Island years ago. My uh, in-laws used to watch it every Sunday morning we was there. And anyway, he had a saying that I think applies to what I'm going to teach tonight. He said, tough times don't last, but tough people do. Amen. Tough times don't last, but tough people do. And I'm not talking about how strong you are mentally, how strong you are physically, because Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul said, be strong in the Lord at the power of his might. And one of my favorite Psalms, Psalms 18, says, I'll praise thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord's the strength of my life. And so as we as Christians recognize we're in a spiritual warfare and that there's missiles coming in our mind every day when we learn how to deal with them according to the word of God, we win that's the will of God we win, say that, say, say the will of God is that I win what I'm facing may be big but Jesus is bigger Jesus is on my side Jesus is inside of me. And greater is Jesus in me than all the trouble the devil could throw at me. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. And so we're talking tonight about what to do when you want to quit. And you know, if you don't want to quit right now, if you're not being hit, write these notes down because you'll need them in the future. And you know, I know a lot of you could have probably written this sermon because you've learned what to do. But these are things that are going to help people right now that are being challenged and tempted by the pressures of life. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And, you know, I can't always help but say when we look at verses that Romans 10, 17 says, Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And since we're teaching on the subject about what to do when you're challenged with wanting to quit, then Faith is coming into your heart right now tonight from the Word of God, so you won't quit. But always remember, James 1.22 says, Be doers of the Word, and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. And you know, you never have when, when you know the Word of God, you never have to say, Why God, why? Where were you? What happened? Because when you know the Word of God, you're going to know. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He said, you'll have what you say. He said, it's my will for you to prosper and be in health. I want you having prosperity more than enough. I want you living in divine health. So you'd have to ask him why or what. You need to find out from the word of God what you need to do to grab a hold of it. And we're showing you tonight what to do in hard times to make sure the hard times don't put you under but God can put you over. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, says, Grace be to you and peace from God, our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. 
grace be to you and peace. And I want to say this, as I look at this verse here, from my knowledge of the word, what I've lived for all my Christian life, when you learn what the grace of God is, and you walk in the grace of God, you'll have peace. But if you don't recognize what the grace of God is, and how to walk in the grace of God, then you'll always be struggling. You'll lose sleep. Every little thing comes your way, you're going to jump on Facebook or something and whine out. So you get all the send me prayers, hun. But the send me prayers, hun, has never helped anybody. We don't send prayers to people. We pray to the Father in heaven. He sends answers. Amen. And so if I just get a thousand likes, I'll win this. All I need is one like. For God so liked the world. No. God so loved the world. And right now, according to John 17, I'm still living in the world, but I'm not of the world. And so because I know I have favor with the Creator, I don't need Facebook favor. I don't need a shoulder to cry on. Amen. I talk to my Father. He gives me the grace. And then I recognize the grace is going to get me through that I have the peace. And I'll just give you one little definition of grace the Lord gave me years ago. There's lots of definitions I can give you. But the one he gave me personally years ago, because it happened in my life, really helped me. When I was young, on the south side of Indianapolis, uh, my brothers were all pretty much fighters. I wasn't a fighter, I was a lover. You know, I'd, I'd, I would rather try to make peace than if that didn't work to run. But my brothers... They, 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 they loved to fight. They'd start one themselves if there wasn't any fights going on. So I had this bully in the neighborhood that started picking on me. And my older brother got, got, got knowledge of that. And he said, hey, so I'm going to get him off your back. He, he lived up the alley from us. Everybody's got alleys and stuff. I mean, we were in the hood. And so I went, I went up the alley past this guy's house. And my brother went and hit behind a telephone, big fat telephone pole right over there. And I walked past the house, and I kept walking back and forth till he came out. Then he come out, you know, I made some gestures at him, hollered at him, said some things like that, and he come out. And when he came out, my brother stepped out. All I can say is that Alan didn't look too good when my brother got done with him, but he never messed with me again. And so here's what God told me about that. He said, the grace of God is God backing you up and then showing up to prove it. That didn't help me a bit. If my brother said, hey, you get up there and you challenge him and I'll be there to help you if my brother hadn't showed up, Alan wouldn't have been the bloody mess. It would have been me. But I took my brother at his word. He said, you go down there and when the fight starts, I'll take care of it. That's the grace of God. In your life, if you're facing challenges with people, finances, healing things, whatever area of life you're in right now, God said, you show up for the battle and I'll back you up. If you run and hide, fear is the opposite of faith. If you're a whiner, you can't be a winner. And by whiner, I'm not talking about a drinker. You don't want to be a whiner either that way. A whiner is somebody that's all the time crying, moaning, complaining, and you ask them how they're doing, and you finally learn the people you don't want to ask that to. You thought, I don't have time to hear this. This is going to drain me if I ask them how they're doing because they're going to let me know all the little things that bothers them in life. Amen? And so we as Christians, as you're going through a battle, you're challenged to quit, you're going to have to get made up in your mind, the Bible verses you know, that God said it, he'll do it. But you've got to step, you got to step up to the battle. Not in your own strength, with the strength of God. And how you walk in the strength of God, we're going to show you that. We're going to show you from the Word of God what you do to walk in His strength. But when you learn to walk in the grace of God, and you really believe the Bible means what it says, it says what it means, then you're going to have peace, and the grace of God's going to get you through. It might not be as fast as you want it to sometimes, but maybe it'll surprise you how fast it shows up. But then He gave us the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the fruit of the Spirit is long 
through suffering. Sometimes you suffer along, but with the grace of God, you have the peace while you're suffering in your heart. And people look at you, and I know what people told me before years ago when I was first saved and, and my family didn't know what had happened to me. They said, he doesn't have enough sense to know what's going on. I wasn't relying on head sense. I was relying on who's in my heart and what he said. And so I didn't have enough sense, according to people live out of their heads, to get worried. Because I learned I cast my cares, my worries, my anxieties, my concern upon Jesus because he cares for me. Then I had peace and people just thought I was an idiot. But God backed me up every time. And so wherever you are in life, grace, just act like the Bible's true. If God's going to do what he said, then you'll have peace. But then he says, verse 3, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all judgments. What's that say? Mercies. doesn't say one mercy. Mercies. God's got all the mercy for every area of life. Every situation you ever face, he's the father of all mercies and the God of all comfort. As you're going through things, God knows where you are. He'll comfort you through it, but what you whine about it. Amen. The Holy Ghost, Jesus called in John chapter 14, said the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father said to my name. You've got the comfort in your heart, so even if you're going through a tragic time of a loss or something like that, you can be sad, you don't have to be depressed. Amen. You know, I, th I think about, you know, none of us like to talk about death, but when a loved one, especially a Christian, dies, what greater thing than to be in heaven? Who doesn't want to be in heaven? But we miss people. And so the devil likes to pervert grief and turn it into depression because depression will kill you. But the Bible tells us, there's a godly grief, a godly sorrow. And the comfort comforts you where you can cry. You can remember things. You can know things. You have good memories. But I got to tell people all the time that a love was went to heaven. I say, just stop and think about this. They know my dad and mom now. And my grandma and grandpa. And they're saying, that was my pastor. My dad and mom says, that's my son. Because our people get to talk to each other in heaven and what's going on down there. So heaven's a great place to be, but the Father of all comforts will comfort us no matter what we're going through. Amen. Can you see that? That's the Bible. That's the Bible. And so then he says this, who comforts us in all our tribulation, no matter what you're going through right now, he's comforted you that you may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we also are comforted of God. And so you need to read verses like this out loud when you're tempted to quit on God or your Christian faith. And then this, this comfort, God wants you to take what you've learned to win in life and help somebody else win. You know, there's people, all, you'd be surprised how many people around you right now don't know what you know. And they're suicidal. And maybe they're even... Uh, what to threaten other people's lives because they're so depressed in life. But you know what to do because you've been there. Amen. And so we're supposed to help other people, but the Father of mercies. And so I want to give you a couple of ways I've heard grace and mercy described. The grace of God here, the mercy. I heard a preacher say years ago, grace is God giving you and doing for you what you don't deserve. Grace. How many here know that nobody lived a perfect life except Jesus? And Christians make mistakes. Christians fall into sin. And so when that happens, if God wasn't the one that gives the grace and the mercy, you get immediate judgment. And so the grace of God is God doing for you and giving you what you don't deserve. You don't deserve you don't deserve forgiveness. You deserve judgment. Because of what Jesus did, God gives you forgiveness when you ask him. And so, so many Christians let the devil beat them up in life because they fall back into something again. They give place to something again. And then they get so condemned in their thinking they don't know how to pray straight. 
They stop, they'll start to pray, and then the devil sits on one shoulder right here, and the angel's over here, and the Holy Spirit's in here, and they're saying, the devil said, shut up. He's not going to do it for you this time. The Holy Spirit said, yes, he will, and you got an angel over here wanting to go to work for you, waiting to hear what you're going to say and what you're going to believe. And so when you're honest with God, then it's, it's real easy to say, confess your sin and say, Lord, I know I blew it again. I blew it again. And Jesus, you didn't give me a license to sin, but you gave me grace. And I'm not going to sin because I know that I get by with it, but the devil sucker punched me again. I fell for it. And Lord, you know my heart. And because you know my heart, I want to thank you. I know your word too. You said you're just and faithful to give me my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness and give me grace. And so grace is God giving you what you don't deserve. If we if we try to live on the point system with God, you never get enough points. You can't come to him and say, Jesus, I led these people to the Lord last year. Jesus, I came to church last year. I tithed last year. Jesus, I did this and I did that. Then you walked out of grace and you walked into works again. Amen. God doesn't bless you. He didn't save you because you're so good. You got born again because Jesus was so good. And you recognize you need a Savior. And that's the same way you receive everything from God, especially the grace of God. You've got to recognize you didn't earn it, didn't deserve it, but it's a gift. But you've got to learn to take advantage of the grace of God. So grace is God giving you what you don't deserve. And then at the same time, mercy is God not giving you what you do deserve. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But praise God, there's forgiveness, the blood of Jesus. And so mercy, you know, people that are religious don't really know God, don't know the Bible. They just think he's up there, got the hammer, going to bop you. Think he's up there and he's getting ready like, like I've heard said that people used to thank God like he had a big fly swatter, like we were like a little bug. He's going to go whop. But the mercy of God stops that because Jesus took that. Jesus took our sin. Jesus took our judgment. Jesus took our penalty. And so it says he's the father of all mercies. How many times do you need mercies? Every time you get in trouble, you need mercy. And so I'm, I'm telling you things from the Bible of what to do when you're going through a hard time. Number one, you've got to have knowledge of the Word of God. And this is what the Bible says. God gives grace, He gives peace, He gives mercy. Amen. But you've got to get a hold of that. And so then I want you to jump on down to verse 8. And Paul said this, for we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia. We were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. In other words, Paul was to the place to where he was being hit. You're better off to be dead. Despaired of life. He thought, what's it worth? Why do I want to keep on going on? Nobody cares. And I think about you know, he talks about Asia, and you know, I, I was thinking a while ago when I was looking at these verses again fresh, that would be people today that are being hit by political correctness coming against them. People that used to love you and hang out with you, you got to watch what you say now because they judge you, they talk about you, want to ban you out of their circles. That's what happened to Paul. When you read Paul's life, what happened to him, he says that the Jews turned on him and wanted to kill him says a heathen wanted to kill him. And then he even says, false brethren, which are Christians, says crept into the church unawares to try to get something on him. And so Paul said, it was so bad, nobody was on my side anymore. Everybody's against me. So I didn't have anybody to turn to, except one. That all it takes is that one. He said, we despaired even of life. I want you to get a hold of that. You know, we don't really understand, I don't think, unless we're serious fellowshippers with the Holy Spirit and read our Bibles, that these men and these women in the Bible were human beings. They had feelings. 
They wanted to be liked. They wanted to be accepted. They had bad days. They had good days. They had nothing days. They were people. They had bad hair days. They had people that didn't like them. They had people that loved them. They had people that turned on them. They had people that talked about them. They had people that falsely judged them, said things about them that wasn't true. Paul said, you know the trouble I had in Asia? He said, man, they banned me off of Facebook. They censored my tweets. I can't believe it. Instagram turned on me. I put this wonderful spiritual post on there three days ago, and I got no likes. <laughs> See, I'm telling you, Paul was a real person. And we think about our lives. If the great apostle Paul could get to the place that he said, I despaired even of life. That's saying, I want to quit. What's the use? Nobody cares. I preached to all these dumb people. Look at all of my help. Now look at what they're doing to me. They all turned on me. And all I did, all I ever did was helped them. And you know, when you stop to think about it, when you're walking in the footsteps of Jesus, when Jesus first came to his public ministry, the people said, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. How many remember when he said that? Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And then, as he began to help them, the multitudes were there. The, the blind got healed, the deaf got healed, the lame walked, he raised the dead, and all those things. And then they challenged him said, by whose authority dost thou these things? The same ones he helped said, now, hey, who gave you the authority to do this? And then, as it progressed, he got to the cross, and those multitudes that he delivered said, crucify him, crucify him. And so Paul was following Christ, and he went through a lot of things like Christ did. And if you are a serious Christian, there's going to be people turn on you. And you know, how do I know that? They've turned on me as I follow Christ. I know that many of you in the prayer lines come up my prayer lines and lots of times said, uh, Pastor, I don't know what's going on. I got three Christian friends on my job, and something's happened. They won't talk to me now. And I said, well, glory to God. You're in good company then. That's the way it works sometimes when you're following Christ. You're doing what God wants you to do. People turn on you. Why do they turn on you? Well, maybe they got in the flesh. Maybe demon spirits lied to them. Maybe demons lied to other people, told lies about you, and then they swallowed the lie. And they turned on you. So what do you do? You get up the morning and say, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going in and let my light shine. I'm going to my work let my light shine. I'm not going to be depressed. And I like something I heard Dr. Summerall say years ago. He said this, he said, my happiness is not based upon what's in your head. My happiness in life is based upon what's in my heart. And so whether you like me or don't like me, I'm going to praise the Lord. If you like me, glory to God, I want you to, but if you don't, I'm going to praise the Lord. Amen. You've got to get that attitude if you're starting to despair even of life, you've got to get that attitude recognizing that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And so Paul said he despaired even of life. And so as long as we're in the earth suit, our physical body, we're going to have two enemies, and you might as well face up to it. Number one, the devil's not going away. We resist him, and he flees. But a couple, well, three weeks ago when I preached on Wednesday night, I, I, I looked at Luke chapter 4, verse 13. When Jesus resisted the temptation of the devil, it says that the devil left and stood aside, wait for another time to hit him, more opportune time. And so when we resist the devil, he flees, but then he backs off what to try to get. And you know that word Beelzebub, the gospel is called Beelzebub. And you look that up, that means Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies. Has anybody ever in your house or been walking and some stupid fly keeps buzzing you and you keep, it keeps buzzing you and buzzing you and buzzing you and buzzing you. You think it's gone, then all of a sudden shows up again. 
Now you're not doing that because that just happened to be out in New England, man. Some fly buzzed me <laughs> all the way through the yard. And man, I just hear it. There it was, but I couldn't get it and wouldn't leave till I got in the house. And so that's how the devil is. He'll buzz around throwing thoughts in your head. He'll put imaginations in your head that nobody likes you, that God's mad at you, that your prayer's not going to be answered this time because you did this or you did that, because you did, you did wrong over here, that this time God's not going to answer you. And you've got to keep on saying, Satan, I bind you in Jesus' name. Satan, I resist you. I paralyze you in the name of Jesus. God loves me, and I love him. And he told me, you're my enemy. And he told me, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. That's what I do. You've got to know you're always going to have that enemy. And then number two, your second greatest enemy, every day when you look in the mirror and put your makeup on, when you shave, whatever you do, that earth suit you live in is going to give you problems. Your physical body and then your soul, which is part of your, it's your emotional realm, your mental realm. Your flesh is going to be an enemy to you every day of your life. You got to tell your body when to go to bed. You got to tell your body and your mind what they can watch and what they can't watch. You've got to tell your emotions how to behave. You've got to tell your body what it can eat and what it can't eat. You're always going to have those things to deal with all the time. And if you don't learn about these enemies, how to take authority over things, then you're always going to be depressed. Amen. Amen. So Paul said he despaired even of life. And so then we look over then. Uh, I want to show you some things that I've learned from Paul in the Bible and from Jesus of what to do. Jump over to verse 9 and verse 10. He said, But we had the sentence or the answer of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raises the dead. I don't know about you, but I've told Jesus a lot of times. I said, Jesus, I don't trust me, but I trust you. I don't trust me to make the right decision every time. But when I pray and I ask for his wisdom, I listen to my heart. I make decisions from my heart, not from my head. I don't try to figure things out. I pray things out. If you try to figure them out, then you have to work them out. But if you pray them out, you can walk them out. Listen to what I'm saying. If you try to figure it out, then you're going to have to work it out because it's your wisdom. But if you get along with the Lord and you pray it out, then you can walk it out because you'll see in your inner, inner man what it is he showed you to do and you walk it out. Does that help anybody? Amen. You know, I, I don't trust me. That is the outward man. I don't trust. I don't trust my earthly wisdom. I've got a lot of wisdom in a lot of things. When it comes to the battles of life, when you got uh, the devil involved and people controlled by the devil involved to try to destroy your life, you've got to learn from the Lord what to do and listen to him and not trust you. Because if you trust you, you're going to get mad. If you trust you, and then people tell you, you know what, you don't have to put up with that. I'm glad Jesus didn't say that to the devil's hands to the cross. I'm glad when Jesus would have been here from other people. Now, Jesus, you know, you ought to do this. He said, I know I can call more than 10,000 legions of angels. But if I do, Leanne won't have a savior. If I do, Doug, when he needs help, he won't get it because I quit. And so we, as believers, have to know we have a love walk, we have forgiveness, have all these things in us, and we live out of our head, we'll never walk in them. Amen. And so then, you notice then, verse 10, we trust in God which raised the dead, who delivered us from so great a death. Who delivered us of so great a death, and he does deliver, to we trust that he will yet deliver. And so, I've learned in the crisis of life 
in difficult times like this, I make a confession. I look at this verse and I say this. Jesus has always delivered me in the past. Jesus is delivering me right now. Jesus will always deliver me. Isn't that what Paul said? He talked about, I despaired even of life, but I don't trust Paul. He said, I trust God. He said, he always delivered me. How many here has ever been delivered from anything serious in life? You know, we think about drugs and alcohol and stuff like that. Or we think about being in a hard, hard time. You're about to lose your house, about to lose your job, about to lose your marriage, about to lose this, about to lose that, about to lose your kids. Something going on, and God came through. Has anybody ever been through something that really, really was impossible and you knew he came through? Then you could say, I trusted Jesus. He has delivered me. And then you look at the here and now, and then you can be like what David said when he fought Goliath. He said, the Lord helped me kill the lion, helped me kill the bear. Now this giant's gone down. And so as you look at what you're going through right now, I'm looking at things that I've learned. I've learned from Paul. I've learned from Jesus. You've got to get your heart and your mouth hooked up right with the Word of God. And so no matter what's going on right now in your life, you need to be saying these words. Say this with me. I trust Jesus. He's always delivered me. He's delivered me now. And everything that will ever come against me, he will deliver me. Jesus is my deliverer. I can't lose because I'm winning. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. And so I just want to look at a couple more verses to help us before we close it down. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 has been one of my favorite go-to verses for probably 42 years. Ever since I first got saved, whenever I was hit, <clears throat> whenever I thought it was over, I would always go to Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. I would leave my Bible opened up to it, or I'd walk to the room, I'd see it. I'd write this verse on three by five cards, and I'd look at it, and I would say it out loud every day. And so Paul said, Philippians 1, verse 6, be confident. How many have got confidence? Paul said we can have confidence of this very thing, that he which begun a good work in you will perform it. That means finish it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so I've looked at that verse. I've read it out loud over and over and over and over again. And I've said, Jesus, I know it doesn't look like it. It doesn't feel like it. But I'm confident of this very thing. Philippians 1, 6, you said, I'd be confident of this very thing. You, which have got a good work in me, will finish what you started. I want to thank you, Jesus. You started this walk with me, and you're going to finish what you started. And how can he finish if you quit? He's not going to quit. But if you quit, he can't finish. You know, I think about people. I, I can't talk too much longer. Clock's got, I think about people that got a really good job, maybe a good union job, good benefits, good health care, all kinds of good stuff, and some stupid little jerk on the job for the devil caused you trouble for a few days. And you quit that good job that God got you because you didn't know how to stand and stick with it. Amen. I'm, abs I'm absolutely preaching better than, better than you're shouting. Why would you let some little demon-possessed twerp harass you and cause you to walk away from a great career. If God got you that job, then God will make sure you keep that job unless you get stupid and quit. How can I say that with such conviction? Because I've seen, I've seen people in my church back in Indiana and even right here in California They've got the great job, took faith to get the job. Come here, pastor, pastor, it won't take a minute. Can I have the mic just a minute? I want to testify. Okay, woo! And then six months later, pastor, I need you to agree with me. What are we agreeing for? I need a job. And me to have a flashback, woo! But what happened? 
had a mean boss. They were lying on me. They didn't treat me right. That's the way it is in everything in life, in your marriage, with your children, with your finances, everything there is. When you're facing the tough times, if you'll just start saying, I'm copying to this very thing. He wished me got a good work on my job, in my marriage, with my kids. He's going to finish what he started. One more verse, and this is the clincher. John chapter 16, verse 27. John 16, verse 27. And you don't know how many times this verse has given me exactly what I needed not to run the other way. And this is Jesus talking. John 16, verse 27. For the Father himself loveth you. Why does the Father love you? Why does the Father love me? Because you have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. I look at that verse in times of potential depression, in times of really feeling like it's all over, that there's nothing good ever going to happen again, that I look at that and I realize my number one requirement for blessing from God is I love Jesus. I believe that Jesus came from God to save me. When I look at that, I know that there's no way I can lose because I love Jesus. And I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus has delivered me always. I believe that anything I need today, Jesus delivered me today. I don't believe that anything ever comes against me again, Jesus will still deliver me. Why is that? Because I love him. How many here love Jesus? How many believe that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God? He died for your sins, raised from the dead. Then why do you want to quit? Just get rid of that losing mentality. Just get rid of that. And when the, when the devil tells you that God doesn't love you anymore, open it up to John 16, 27. Say right here, devil, are you trying to call Jesus a liar? Jesus said he does love me because I love Jesus and I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. That's about all I can give you tonight because we're out of time. So let's just stand up and give the Lord a shout, a praise, a something. I guess for being still knowing that I'm God. <laughs> I t I'll tell you what, if that don't light your fire, your wood's all wet. Amen, amen. Well, as we, as we, as we close out with some worship, if you need prayer, I got my prayer team here. They'll come up here and pray for you. If you need anything, come up here. And, you know, I just want to say this. After what we just preached, don't need a whining time, but that's something you need prayer for. Just say, hey, God was talking to me. Just, just pray with me, and we'll be glad to do that. Amen. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living home. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone in your presence Lord Holy Spirit you are welcome here come flood this place and fill the glory God is what our hearts 
tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame is Amen. Who received that word tonight? Hallelujah. That was good. Really good word. Very good encouragement for us. So I encourage you. I remind you, you can always listen to it all over again. Uh, so if it's blessed you now, it's it's like chili. It's better the second time around. Amen. You heat that up, it just stirs up the spices. You know what I mean? So uh, I encourage you to listen to it a second or third time on that. Amen. And uh, ladies, remember, women's meeting Friday night, 6.30, Mexican-themed food. And Mrs. Pastor's got a good word on you on how to live within your means. So I encourage you to be here, ladies. Then, of course, Sunday, we're going to do it all over again. The fun starts all over, and it's going to be awesome. Amen. All right. Well, let's pray, and we will speak some words of faith over Barstow, and we'll dismiss you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the word that was brought forth tonight. And Lord, just like you said in Isaiah, that your word, it never returns unto you void, but it always accomplishes everything that you sent it forth to do. And so I pray that your word had free course tonight, and it is working in our lives, not even as we sat here tonight, but as we go forward, it's working, it's working, it's working, and we're going to speak that word, and we're going to have faith in it. We thank you, Lord, that we are victorious every day in the mighty name of of Jesus. We will not quit. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, let's say this together over Barstow. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. We'll see you this weekend.